This is Trading Views from the Need to Know podcast with the Wilson Center. We want to tell you the story of trade beyond the headlines. This is what you need to know about trade today, from the local to the global. We have heard a lot about trade in the last couple years. We've heard the term trade war. We've heard about tariffs and retaliatory tariffs. We've heard about trade deficits, imbalances, free trade and protectionism. It could be said that at no point in the last 100 years has trade factored so large in the political conversation of the United States' economic and foreign policies. So in this series that we're doing here on the Need to Know podcast, we're going to look at trade. We'll unpack it for you with our experts. And we're going to look at how we got here historically. We'll look at the China trade war. We'll look at the USMCA. And in this particular episode, I'm traveling down to Morristown, Tennessee, to talk to a couple of business owners who are on the front lines of tariffs that have been imposed on goods and on raw materials. So let's take a little trip. Morristown, Tennessee is a place that you could probably describe as quintessential Trump country. It's located in northeastern Tennessee in the mountains. Morristown and the surrounding Hamblin County voted 77% for the president in 2016. There are churches on what seems like every corner and in between. A downtown area that still sports the old painted advertisements on the sides of brick buildings, and it has been revitalized as a shopping area with boutiques. It's a city of about 30,000. It's predominantly white, but it has a growing Hispanic population as well. And there is a lot of manufacturing that goes on in this area. Morristown and Hamlin County, it, uh, the, the last Chamber of Commerce meeting I was at, the mayor made the statement that we are a community that make things. That's Rusty Smith. Rusty is the president of a company called Forenta, which manufactures dry cleaning equipment right there in Morristown, Tennessee. If you look at the population here in Hamlin County, it's around 60,000 people. I dare say you take any 60,000 people community in the whole state or maybe in the whole region there's no area that actually manufactures more than we manufacture in this very small county we've got three industrial parks and it is very diverse it's automotive it's well for renta is is uh, commercial dry cleaning and laundry equipment we've got some woodworking we've got a facility up the road that manufactures chairs that ships chairs all over the world so we we are very diverse in our manufacturing We've got uh, a lot of these companies use metal and metal products, steel and aluminum, and it is a very similar story. They're having to work extra hard because their raw material prices have gone up. President Trump instituted tariffs on steel and aluminum in March of 2018, affecting these commodities from nearly every country in the world. These actions were met with support from steel-producing communities and labor unions in the United States, but with more mixed reactions from industry associations. This is why I thought it would be interesting to come to an area that heavily supports the president, but is dealing with some challenges when it comes to a sweeping trade policy that has an impact on the bottom line of a small manufacturer. Ferrena's been in business since 1961 here in this same facility, and since 1961 we have manufactured dry cleaning pressing equipment. And we are a fully integrated manufacturer, which means we we take raw steel in and we we cut, we grind, we drill, we weld, 
we create our own components, our own framework, along with assembling the products. This is the turret punch brakes I was telling you. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he's doing something else. And that's, that's typical. Uh, we don't have enough volume, more than we're low volume, high variety. We don't have enough volume to keep a, a man here all the time. All the time. There's just not the demand for this machine. There's not the demand for that guy to stay in that welding the whole time and, and just build so those pipes. So he does some grinding in time. So, uh, so yeah. But here is typically the skeleton left off after we punched out things on that turn punch press. So you told me uh, when we first started talking about this that. Uh, one of the things that you guys started to do when the tariffs uh, came into effect was you started to figure out when you were punching things like more efficient ways of punching so there wasn't so much scrap left in there. Yes. But what happens to your scrap? Well, we get paid scrap price for it. We've got a dumpster back here and a, a, a local iron and metal supplier, scrapyard supplier, they'll buy it from. The steel tariffs have uh, what we originally thought was just going to be the price of steel going up. We saw that immediately at the, at the roughly 15% increase right off the bat last spring. But as time has gone on, we have seen what we feel like is a quadruple whammy that has hit us as a U.S. manufacturer. The first being, of course, the price of the steel. The second being the decrease in the amount we are being paid for our scrap metal. The third being the residual effects of components that we purchased to go on our equipment in the form of things like shock absorbers and air cylinders that use a good percentage of metal, steel, and aluminum. So that being the third effect. The fourth effect being companies that manufacture offshore as they send their finished product in here, that finished product is not tariff. So we are competing with someone that is not being affected by the tariff, the steel and aluminum tariffs. This guy's working on a, a lathe. This guy's getting ready to saw some raw material. A typical process through the plant. With the old red crane, he'll bring raw material in. He'll either saw it off, he'll punch it off. Well, last spring when the, the steel tariffs were announced, steel and aluminum tariffs announced, when there was first talk about it, just the talk itself got our local steel service center, the radar up on, on them, of course, because they buy from the steel mills. And, and so the, the price that we were paying at that time in, in just a very short period, we saw an increase of 15% in steel prices. Now the tariffs were probably more than that. I'm not sure what the tariffs were, but uh, maybe 25%, I think, is what they were. And that 15% has basically stuck ever since then. So it, it, made, it made a difference, obviously, in our bottom line last year, profit and loss, by thousands of dollars. We buy through steel service centers. We don't buy directly from the steel mill. 
and we are a small company. And the number of employees tells you we're, we're not a General Motors or a Ford Motor Company. We, we don't have a lot of clout to say to the steel companies or to the steel service centers, no, we're just not paying these prices. Overall, the steel tariff that was implemented was 25%. So Rusty's increase of 15% from Ferenta's steel supplier is lower than the tariff increase. But a 15% increase overnight was a jolt to the business. We did do some things like that, made some improvements, and offset that to a certain degree. But we were not able to offset all of it. They were not even close. It helped us as far as making us get more lean and looking at our own procedures, and we are continually doing that. It wasn't just a one-time thing. We're continually doing that, but but obviously when something like that happens and there's such an increase so quickly, it makes you focus on that more at that time. And, and so, yes, we, we started a great effort of doing that. Something else they started to notice was that they had competitors overseas in Asia and in Europe who could produce a finished product over there ship it here, and not face the tariffs that American manufacturers were facing. This competitor is a really good competitor who, who builds really good equipment. They've had a warehouse here in the States that they have brought finished goods into from Asia. And they stock the finished goods there, and then they ship all over the United States out of that warehouse. And they, they've got a good business model, they've got a good product, and the fact that they produce their equipment in Asia, from, from all indications that we can see, they were unaffected by the increase in steel prices. Not only did they not see the increase, but there is no tariff on their finished good coming into the states. Uh, according to the government website, where that we, we look and see what is tariffed and what's not tariffed. So, so not only do we have this Asian competitor, we have a couple of European competitors that are also in the same boat. They, they ship finished goods into the U.S., they stock in a warehouse, and they ship from that warehouse. The, the tariffs have, have put us at a disadvantage, price-wise. A disadvantage, then we've had to work extra hard to overcome that in comparison to our competitors. There is some good news, though. While Rusty told me that this is a challenge that he's seeing across the community of manufacturers in his area, he's not seeing widespread job losses or other cuts. Companies are having to get leaner and more efficient to produce. They're having to work extra hard to offset those increases. But they're all a similar story to Ferranta. They're still in business. They're still working hard. They're still employing people. It's just a little bit more difficult <laughs> to, to, to bring it down to the bottom line and say, yes, we made a really good profit this year. It's more difficult to, to do that and to say that. We'll come back to Rusty a little later in the episode. For now, we're going to drive across town to Porter's Tire and talk to... Roger Porter, president and CEO of Porter's Tire Store. We have seven retail locations in the Upper East Tennessee area with 94 employees. And we've been in business since 1952 in uh, tire and automotive service aftermarket business. So who started the business? My grandfather. Grandfather, yeah. And what made him want to get into tires? You know, I have no idea. He was a heavy equipment operator for the Tennessee Valley Authority. Had three kids under the age of 14 in 1952. He's 31 years old. 
he comes home one day and uh, this business was for sale and he tells my grandmother, I think I'm going to take our life savings and start a tire business. Well, my wife would have said, you've lost your ever-loving mind. You know, but he started in 1952 here in this location recapping, okay rubber welder, recapper, with one location and one employee. And then he eventually grew it into, uh, when Dad Tate took it over, it had two locations. Then when Dad worked that way for a while, then when I come on, that's when we started adding stores. In addition to the steel and aluminum tariffs, President Trump also implemented tariffs on a wide array of Chinese goods, including tires. He, of course, is not the first president to do this. President Bush placed a 30% tariff on steel from several countries. And President Obama pushed tariffs on Chinese tires to 35% at one point during his presidency. But this time, we have both being imposed at the same time, an issue bound to affect tires and their components. On the ground at my level, we import some tires from China, truck tires, and some entry-level tires in fairly large quantities for a dealer my size. And at our level, it added, I think in December, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think the numbers looked like about 10% tariff, maybe in October, November, and then they went up uh, here the first of the year uh, in 2019, I think to 25%. The 10% just simply was nearly absorbed by a supplier and by us some but when they went up to 25 percent tariffs that changed everything we had to pass that on down and prices went up but not only did is what's interesting about that is not only did the chinese prices we were importing go up so did everything else that that was in the market went up and and so it was it's just eluded or it's just given itself to uh, customers paying more money So tariffs on Chinese tires, you expect an increase in Chinese tire prices. But what happened is that not only did the Chinese tires increase, but so did the domestic tires. The first thing that happens is uh, some of the other companies, Michelin as one of them, and Bridgestone, and uh, some of the that that actually produce tires in the States domestically, they went up as well. So uh, When I first started talking to Roger about this, and I asked him, How are these tariffs affecting your business? How are they affecting prices for consumers? I thought he was going to tell me about tires for my little sedan. But then he started talking about truck tires. Trucking firms that have multiple trailers or trucks, they're putting that kind of product, not necessarily on the front of their tractors, but on their trailers. They're putting the Chinese-made product stuff on their trailers because it's a cost reduction for them and... and, um, uh, we see a lot of uh, local, though, regional guys, not necessarily big national guys, but guys that are running locally within six, eight hours, not across the nation, uh, buying the Chinese truck tires and stuff. Uh, the, the feed and grain farm people, the, uh, you know, people that's hauling feed or grain or, or things like that, you know. So the question I then had is whether or not the tariffs being placed on Chinese tires caused more of a shift in buying to the domestic tires. Well, for example, the latest round of tariffs added a price of, uh, for, on a $300 truck tire. 25%, you know, that's 75 bucks, you know, that the tire price went up. Uh, there's, there, we, did, we couldn't swallow that up, you know, uh, and, and the, the wholesaler wasn't going to swallow that up. And so... $75 on a $300 truck tire, which is an average price for Chinese import stuff. You know, even if it was a $200 tire, 
up takes 50 bucks, you know. So that was passed right on to the customer. What happened was had all the other uh, tire manufacturers stayed status quo, then yes, they would have probably said, well, now wait just a minute. I can just pay 50 more dollars and get uh, something that's domestic that is better. I, I would be the first to say that a lot of the product made domestically is a better product. It comes with more stringent uh, uh, things, more stringent code of, of manufacturing. But when the when the price difference is a hundred or one hundred and fifty dollars per tire on a multiple unit trailer that has eight eight tires on it, so now you're you're talking some serious money. So I think it would make them consider it if tire prices manufacturer stayed status quo but when they all went up together it made no difference you know it didn't a lot of them went up at the same time that the import stuff went up. because the domestic producers increased their prices at the same time as the tariffs were implemented on chinese tires roger really hasn't seen any shift away from chinese tires but he is seeing changes in buying habits no, no, I, from sales data, I, I've seen that's not changed anything. So really, that has not. No, 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 that's not changed the buying habits. I, I mean, I've got data here on the computer to show that. that we're, we're, selling, we're selling less truck tires as a teetotally because people now are saying, hey, <laughs> golly. You know. Does that mean that are they just trying to make do with what they're Absolutely. Absolutely. They're trying, they're selling, no, that's what they're doing. They're, they're running along. As a matter of fact, I had a, one of our uh, big fleets say to me, Roger, I'm just, I'm holding off. I don't think I'm not, I've quit buying from you. I just, I'm trying to stretch it as far as I can go. So that's, and that, that in, in, in a, you got some of these people that are already, the, 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 the margins are tight, the budgets are tight, and now, here we go with a, on a Chinese tire, now it's up 75 bucks, you know. And if, if a tire had stayed four hundred dollars and the and the import tire had went to three seventy five, and then the domestic tire had stayed at four hundred, then you'd see a lot of switching over. One of the reasons why I wanted to come down here and talk to these business owners on the ground is because this is an area that is naturally inclined to support the president, but they are facing some challenges with these policies. I wanted to get their honest take on what they and the business community in their area think about this situation. Well, the the business community that I've heard and the folks that I, if you will, uh, network with, the, it, it increases the challenge because what's ultimately happened is we're having to pass that cost on. There's no way that we can absorb 25%. A business like mine is very difficult to absorb 5 to 10%. 25% is an impossibility. So we, we don't feel like... You know, what I'm hearing from uh, the president, as a matter of fact, of the uh, Chamber of Commerce said in a meeting the other day that he felt the tariffs in our area were having a negative impact on the economy. They weren't doing what they maybe were designed or they thought they would do. You know, they, they're not. And, and I can see that. I mean, my guys aren't switching wholeheartedly to domestic product, my, my customers. And we're, if anything, our business right now is flat. And uh, when I begin worrying about, hey, why is my business flat? Then that's the consensus from uh, boutique owners all the way down through to restaurants. Hey, man, November was a, it was a down month a little bit, you know. So we're not in disagreement that China don't play right. But we are in disagreement. We, we, we do not agree that the tariffs are the way to do it because it simply costs more money. You know, and that means freight costs more money. That means that trickles down. For example, the trucking company 
they're not just going to swallow up $75 a tire. So it just, it makes every item that rolls on wheels go up. Our prices are going up. Our customers are paying more. You're paying more now for milk, for groceries, for clothing, for whatever rolls on a, a trucking company. And that's the bottom line. And people don't think about that. They don't consider that, hey, man, that 25%, when they slap it on at the government level and say, there you go, China, get you uh, a dose of that. Well, what they've done is essentially cost the American people, and it may not come to a total of 25%, but it's cost them in the billfold. I got a very similar take on the business community reaction from Rusty. I, th- I think there is a consensus among us business leaders that, yes, we want fair trade, but why did you have to hit the home run right off the bat? We'll take a single, we'll take a double, we'll take a triple. If we can get that and we can inch, looking long term, if we can inch it, if China would agree to inch it down and ratchet it down little by little, year by year, instead of going for the whole ball of wax in one swing. <laughs> and, and, and so we, although we do support the administration on fair trade, free fair trade, we know that Rome was not built in a day. And we look back at times, and I've had this conversation with other business leaders, we would have we would have been good with getting a little chunk this time, maybe five percent. Then the next time the negotiations come up next year, have a plan to get a little bit more, and that would have probably affected both economies, both the U.S. and the Chinese economy, much less at a much a much more gradual change, and people can handle that so much better. Companies can handle that so much better. Steel companies can handle that so much better. So there's a little snapshot of what's going on in East Tennessee. In the next episode, we're going to dive a little deeper with some of our experts on the China trade war. I hope you enjoyed this approach to doing this series. This episode was produced and edited by me, Aaron Jones. Music was also composed by me. Special thanks to Roger Porter of Porter's Tire and Rusty Smith of Ferenta LP for their interviews. Thank you to Linda Roth for her guidance, John Tyler and Sharona Harris for their support in the studio, Anya Prusa voiced our introduction, Ashley Mira provided research assistance, our logo was designed by Paige Rotunda, thank you to Robert Daly, Abraham Denmark, and Shihoko Goto for their expertise on trade, and from whom we will hear in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening, and this is Need to Know.